SAFM Sports Wrap. Oh, SFM South Africa's news and information leader. Hello and welcome to another edition of SFM Sports Wrap. I'm Dwayne DeLocker and the Sassiaransa. Thank you very much. Back again uh, tomorrow between uh, 6 and 6.30 for all your latest uh, money matters and news. Uh, but we've got so much to talk about in terms of sport. All about the weekend's football and all about the weekend's athletics. And I'll tell you what, one of the guests tonight is one of the most informative and uh, classic voices of athletics. I'm even going to skip the, uh, the, the sports news just to talk football and athletics. SFM Sports Wrap. SFM South Africa's news and information leader now, uh, after several weeks without domestic football, the uh, PSL action finally returned uh, when the MTN8 kicked off on Friday night. And I'll tell you what, it was a weekend full of goals, full of fouls, and indeed full of controversy as well. But at least it was an entertaining and enthralling uh, resumption to uh, competitive football action. Delighted to say we're joined on the line now by uh, Chief Football Reporter and Columnist at the Star newspaper, which uh, has, of course, been celebrating 130 years of existence uh, this year. Mazzola, thanks for joining us. Uh, good evening. Yeah, good evening, Dwayne, and good evening to your listeners. Oh, it's good to chat to you again, but uh, I do want to start on the uh, the Bitvestvitz uh, Golden Arrows uh, match, the penalty shootout win for the, the the home team, the defending champions. But while while the entire weekend had its talking points, that match had all those fixtures I mentioned, goals, fouls, and indeed uh, a fair share of controversy. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, from a footballing perspective, it's uh, just a reminder of what we've been missing uh, for the past two months or so. But from an officiating point of view, I think it was quite a shambolic start, you know. Uh, and uh, you know, and it's, it's also a pity that the, you know the, the PSL and the South African Football Association can't really suspend those guys because I don't think there's anyone better, you know, uh, in terms of match officiating. And I'm talking about uh, referee Philip Dinyani and uh, his fourth official in that match, Victor Kumwan, who was then in charge. You know, a day or two later mm. of the Mamelodi Sundowns match, uh, match in, in, in Etridgeville. Uh, but I think, yeah, it had all the thrills and spills and, and the drama. Uh, you know, uh, a colleague of mine wrote a match report in which he described whatever took place there as uh, akin to a, to a pub brawl. You know, um, <clears throat> I think the, the players and the, the, the coaches and match officials uh, gave gave uh, pub brawls a run for their money, but but, but there you have it. That's that's uh, PSL at its best and it's at its lowest at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it, it, tell you what, it was it was a little bit across the board as well because I was trying to watch both matches simultaneously. With Arsenal were uh, playing against Leicester City, of course, on Friday night, uh, about 45 minutes after the Bitvest Fitz Golden Arrows match had started. And of course, there were goals galore in in that game too. And I thought, wow, if this is the tone that is set for the remainder of the season, but there were some moments that were controversial. Good news, of course, is that uh, aside from uh, some some red cards and uh, and a concussion and uh, various other things. Uh, Damjanovic not covering himself in glory and that, uh, that what did it, uh, I think it was inauspicious debut you could call it that's it that's it I mean yeah and it's, it's, it's quite a, a, a welcome back for Steven Pinar as well yes you could call that he was he came off the bench much later on the game but he must have been sitting there on on the sidelines um, you know <laughs> watching it all unfold and, and, and wondering my goodness what have I come back home to <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think the, the one person who was sitting on the bench come the end of the uh, the, the game was literally one person Ninov the goalkeeper coach at Eros was, was the loneliest person in the world at his bench having been uh, sent off but uh, let's talk about Saturday I mean Saturday afternoon 
Talking point was obviously Benny McCarthy making his debut as head coach in the PSL with uh, with, with Cape Town City uh, and and one 0 over Bulawayo City. But you know it wasn't the most convincing victory. But would you say the signs are positive for uh, McCarthy's side? I think overall the, the signs are positive, Dean. But you know if you would have asked Benny um, several years ago that in his first first match. As, as the head coach of a club, he would win a game via an own goal. He, he would have laughed, laughed that off, especially <clears throat> having been a, such a prolific t- uh, striker in his time. Uh, but, you know, you, you, that's the hand that you've been dealt and you, you take any results that you can take, uh, especially, you know, if, if it's positive and if it's your first official match in, in the top flight football as a head coach. Um, you know, apart from that, I think Cape Town City were, were dominant. Uh, Benny himself said after the match that he was so tempted to, you know, to 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 to, to you know to 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 to, to come back to, to <laughs> playing days and and, yeah. and 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 run onto the field and show them how to actually finish uh, finish the, the the game off. I mean, you have the likes of Ayanda Patosi, Tabo Notata, and Lebohang Manyama uh, missing missing the goalposts for fun, you know. So, mm. and I think it's something that they will work on, especially given you know given the fact that their coach, as I mentioned, have been such a prolific uh, striker in his playing day. So it's something that they will work on, you know, build on their confidence and, you know, work on the composure. You know, a decent little start for, for Benny McCarthy, uh, playing at home in front of his uh, home fans, in front of his family, uh, and getting a win to progress to the seas. Of course, that that will be even tougher because they need the defending champions, but this fits, and of course, Gavin Hunt, the man who gave him his debut when he was just 17. Yeah, seven stars in uh, in years gone by. Yes, indeed, they have a rich history together. They do those two? But you, you talked about uh, debuts and successful debuts. Uh, unfortunately, though, for for Tegumidisa, it wasn't a great debut. And and on the point of those two clubs we just spoke about, players like Stephen Pinar and and uh, and Ayanda Patosi, some were expecting to start sort of every match. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the fact that they weren't necessarily in the starting lineup, what does what does that say to you? Correct. Uh, I mean, I think obviously they got pulled up injured in the warm up. Uh, he was definitely in the starting lineup, uh, uh, but I think with Ayanda Patosi, that's that's another discussion that I had with a colleague of mine who's based in Cape Town and would 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 know a bit more about the dynamics of Cape Town City. Mm. It, it came as a surprise to me that Ayanda Patosi started on the bench. I don't know if Benny was being a little bit conservative uh, because I didn't expect that Masina would start ahead of of Patosi. Um, you know, maybe I, I thought Clake. Would, would play on the left and Patosi would play on the right, obviously with Pico in the number 10 role and uh, Manyama right up, up, up front there and, and being almost aggressive in terms of trying to get the goals to, to punish Bulukwani City and put the game to bed. And even Steven Pinar, I suppose, you know, it comes with age. I think Gavin is trying to, to, to manage Steven Pinar. Mm. He's 35 years old. He's got a lot of mileage on him. Uh, I don't think he's got a lot of years left in him, but I think if Gavin can manage him well, he might give him, he might give him two or even three seasons, uh, depending on how injury free he is. Because when he is fit and sharp, you know, he, he's one of the best, uh, players in, in, in our generation. <laughs> and I think also the fact that they have Galen Klassen, I mean, they, uh, they're the same mold. And I think obviously Galen is a bit younger. Um, you know, you know, fresh eggs. Um, you know, probably Gavin felt he could give 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 a better dimension uh, at that stage. But you know, who knows that the, the season is long. I mean, they're also playing in the, in the Champions League as well. So we, we, we might see changes here and there. But I think for now, 
Gavin will probably stick with the, with the similar lineup up front with Steven maybe as an impact player. But I'm, I must say, Dwayne, I'm very surprised that I end up at this. He started on the bench. He looked lively when he, when, when he come yeah. on, um, and looked like he could even get a goal or two. But it's either his work rate is questionable or Benio has just been conservative in his first game. Yeah, maybe just trying to uh, let him uh, come into the side slowly. Perhaps it's that, a precautionary... uh, Although Benny was never really a precautionary uh, type, is he? No, in the hands I was saying, I was very surprised that he didn't... He didn't throw everything, including the kitchen sink at Bulukwane City. I, I thought Pato would, would, would start that game. And, and the, the point you made about Stephen Pinar being 35 and a little older, Siobonga Nombete is laughing at the moment. You do realize that. He's, uh, he's, <laughs> he turns 40, yes, he 40 this year and he's playing. Benny himself, when he came back to South Africa, he, he finished top goal scorer for Orlando Pirates with 10 goals. And the man who finished way ahead of him was... You know, funny enough, it was Siabonga Bele Nombete in Morocco. 20, yeah. 20 goals. That's right. You know, so there you have it. And Bele is back in the Premier League with, with Amazon. Who knows? Maybe he could show the youngsters a thing or two once again. One wonders. One wonders. But let's talk about Saturday night. It was undoubtedly the most anticipated fixture. It was Kaiser Chiefs hosting Supersport United. Many intriguing points. But uh, I thought one of the things was that the former Chiefs players really stood up against their former club. I mean, Gould was man of the match. Yeah, yeah, was was outstanding again. But, uh, you know, one moment gave Eric Tinkler that perfect start, that that, that build-up with Litsulunyane, Grobler, and then Jeremy Brockie's winner. What does that suggest about the, the, the tone of their season? Or is it simply a case of this is a side that is currently playing continental football and is simply more competition-ready? I mean, there are a lot of uh, dimensions to that, Dwayne. I mean, the, the fact that Chiefs, I think, were in week six or week seven of, 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 of having been together in pre-season building up to that match. And I think Supersport had only been in camp for two or three weeks. You know, so you could see that Chiefs were definitely sharper. Uh, you know, their transitions, uh, just that they were, they were, they were caught napping early in the game and were punished by, by Supersport's transition, which I think is a bit of a mixture of, of Stuart Baxter, the former coach, and Eric Tinkler, because if you look at how mm-hmm. Pirates played under Eric Tinkler and how Cape Town City played last season, that's, that's the type of football that he wants. He wants them to be more expensive. He wants them to catch the opposition on the counter, and when they do get the opportunity to punish Kaiser Chiefs, and then they obviously uh, automatically set back because they scored quite early, and because they, they don't, I don't think they quite have the, the speed and the legs uh, same similarly to what Kaiser Chiefs had, so they were a bit more more more, more cautious in their approach after 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 scoring. But also it's the fact that Kaiser Chiefs have been in preseason much longer. Uh, I think Supersport also are getting themselves up for a busy schedule. I mean, in, I think in in, in in a couple of more games, uh, four or five more games, they could potentially be in two two cup finals. You know, in the MTN8 and uh, the Kev Confederation Cup. So you know, maybe maybe just trying to to balance the the, the schedule. Well, but, you know, it was, it was unfortunate, I would say, maybe for Steve, for Steve Compella. You know, you hit the post three times in one game and at the end of the day, the, 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 the blame is solely laid on the, the coach's feet. You know, what, what more can you do? The mm-hmm. game plan was there, but, uh, his players just couldn't convert. So, will it be an, another repeat of last season where casualties are unlucky, unfortunate in, in, in most of the games, dominating play? It looks like it could be like that if perhaps they don't they don't make one or two strong convincing signings. Because remember they made some signings, but none of the signings made their official debuts. You know, it's all yeah. guys Bongolo Tijaia who came off the bench. So if you try and improve a team, 
Uh, but your starting 11 has got none of it, the guys that you've signed. What does it say about the, the signings that you've made as Kaiser Chiefs? That's an excellent point. Uh, very briefly, uh, yesterday, of course, Mamelodi Sundowns against uh, Mamelodi at uh, Maritzburg United. Uh, I thought the, the, the real success story there was Fadlu Davids. I mean, he's, he's long been touted as one of the more promising coaches, and, and now he's got the, the big scalp of, of Pizza Musimane in this uh, cup tie. Definitely, and it's a repeat of, of the, the last game of the, of the season between the two sides at the same venue uh, where Meritzbeck beat uh, Sundowns 2-0 and Vets beat Bulukwan City to be crowned champions uh, with Sundowns finishing runners-up. It's, it's, it's almost a replica. You know, obviously, Sundowns had you know, a few new faces, George Lebesi, Opa Magnesa coming on in the second half and putting on pressure. But Fadli Davids, I mean, that, that could turn out to be quite a... Quite some journey for 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 for, for one of our own uh, South African coach who who's proven his point as a caretaker coach on several occasions and now he's, he's permanently at the helm and I wish him all the best of luck. Fantastic. Well, uh, Mazola Malefe, uh, chief football writer for the Star Newspaper. Thank you very much for your insights and opinions tonight, and go and enjoy the uh, Absa Premiership as it starts this weekend. Always a pleasure, Ben. I hope it's it's a, it's a riveting one. SAFM Sports Wrap. SFM, South Africa's news and information leader now after that uh, enthralling, enthralling past 10 days where the South African squad earned the uh, best ever medal all of the Athletics World Championships, uh, scooping six podium places, three gold medals, a silver and two bronze. I'm delighted to say that we're welcome to look back on the IAAF World Championships in London, a man who was commentating in London for the IAAF, the uh, ridiculously talented Robert Walker. Rob, uh, lovely to chat to you again. Good evening. Yeah, good evening, Dwayne. Flattery will get you everywhere, mate. I'll tell you what, you, you guys should be really proud of your athletes because they did a fantastic job uh, up here. It was a, a brilliant champs, over 700,000 tickets sold, so it was packed, the pressure was on, it was a great atmosphere, but your big names all delivered exactly when they needed to, so... I think it's very, very encouraging for South African athletics. Yeah, we're all delighted by the uh, results overall, and, and the fact that South Africa finished as high up as they did. You know, behind only United States and Kenya, third overall, I think is a, is a brilliant achievement. But you know, I, I don't know if you know too much about the build-up to this. The, the governing body of uh, South Africa's athletics, uh, athletics South Africa, the, uh, dramatic inconsistencies in selecting a squad, and they sent a really small squad in the end. Uh, there were a couple of injury concerns, the Sunet Fulunes and Anas Jabudwanas of this world, but overall. Overall, South Africa, I think, uh, going beyond what they might have expected in terms of achievement at these games. But how significant is it in the international stage for South Africa to get this this type of finish at the championships? Well, it's good because, you know, when we're used to seeing traditional African powerhouses like the Kenyans and the Ethiopians dominating the distance events, but it's really important that other African nations get in the mix, as you guys did. I mean, look at how well Talu ran for the Ivory Coast, uh, getting a medal in the one and the 200 metres after she ran brilliantly in Rio and finished fourth in both the short sprints. So it is really important that more and more nations prove themselves on the global stage, and you did so in many cases in in events where the Americans have been dominant. So it adds another level of intrigue and drama. So it's fantastic that the South Africans have done so well. And I have to say, Dwayne, in terms of a global story and a great ambassador for athletics, what about Manyonga? You probably thought I was <laughs> going to say Van Niekerk, and Van Niekerk's great. 
But doesn't Manyonga represent the very essence of someone turning their life around through sport? Yeah, I, I, I could hear the excitement in your voice when you were talking about Lubo Manyonga because he, he is one of the great redemption stories, is uh, Lubo Manyonga. And, and in terms of uh, the, the excitement that he created, I, 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 you know, he's somebody who, who is quite confident now. I mean, the way that he was uh, in jail a few years ago, but he's somebody who now believes he can break the nine-meter barrier. And honestly, in my, in my opinion, I think he's, he's probably the best long jumper I've seen since Carl Lewis. Do you think he's somebody who's maybe capable of doing something as, as great as that, breaking Mike Powell's 895? I'll tell you the answer to that question. <laughs> he produced earlier this year the biggest jump since Dwight Phillips in 2009. Dwight Phillips himself has gone on record as saying he believes that Manyonga is talented enough to break the world record. So if Phillips says it, then it's absolutely possible. And you've only got to look at how much confidence he would have taken from that gold medal and, and how much joy he and the whole country will have taken from it. It was brilliant when he, he flopped back into the sand and was, and was kind of <laughs> waving his arms up and down and his legs in the star um, formation. He, he, is, he is a sensational natural talent, and he's a man who at one time or other, for reasons of his own doing or, 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 or accident or circumstance or whatever, he at one stage was heading down the wrong road and has now come back, and he's now on a road to glory and hopefully making some good money for him and his family, and he's making great decisions in his life. So he has more motivation, perhaps, than any other world-class athlete. So I think it will be fascinating to see what he can achieve over the next couple of years. Yeah, the way he's become a world beater, I think, is phenomenal. But let's talk about Wade Finikarki, somebody that uh, you, you, you've got to mention. Two, two medals of his own, successfully defending his 400 title and, uh, uh, you know, strolling to that 400 title in the end and charging to silver in the uh, 200 as well. I mean, we're, we're, we're well aware of his athletic ability, but despite not being quite as effervescent a personality, what's your take on Wade being touted as the next athletic superstar and a replacement to the great Usain Bolt? Yeah, I'm, I'm nervous about, about that kind of uh, accolade being put upon him for him because, you know, the, the, the irreplaceable element of Bolt, it's not his times and his world records and his gold medals, it's his personality. Every single human being is different, every athlete is different, and I don't know Van Niekerk on a personal level, but reading him and watching his body language in the stadium, I'm sure he's a fine, uh, morally upstanding guy. I'm sure he's quite fun with his own group of friends. He is not Usain Bolt. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would necessarily particularly enjoy walking into a room of 3,000 people and making a speech for an hour or holding court or telling jokes for 25 minutes. And he shouldn't have to be that. He doesn't have to be Usain Bolt. He has to be... Wade Van Niekerk, and, and he should, you know, he should go forward in the next stage of his career knowing that he is one of the most important athletes in the world, but without the pressure of having to try and be an entertainer in, in, in a manner that doesn't come naturally to him. So he is a wonderful athlete. He's a great ambassador for athletics and South Africa with his own take on, on the world. It's impossible for someone to replicate what Bolt has done because Bolt is larger than life. Forget about the, the, the 100, 200 treble in the Olympics. 
Bolt's a different kind of character, so Van Niekerk has got to be his own man, and, and the people around him should be advising him that whilst it might be nice for, for media to, to talk about him as the new Bolt, they shouldn't be doing that. They should be focusing on him rather than trying to make him fill a void that, that, that's, that's just impossible to, to fill uh, in, in the absence of Bolt now having retired. I'm loving this. Uh, one morally upstanding young man talking about another morally upstanding young man. But uh, what you said last night on the point of Bolt, though, was, I thought uh, was, was, was brilliant because it was sincere. And, and the part that you said about some, someday somebody will run his times but nobody will ever recreate his sense of fun, I think was, was spot on. But, you know, with, with guys like Bolt and Farrah stepping away from the track uh, and... Uh, as disappointing as it might have seemed, I suppose, in a sense, we were reminded that on the track, as in life, nobody is unbeatable. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, it, we all would have loved Usain Bolt, you know, apart from maybe Justin Gatlin and his family. We <laughs> all would have loved Usain Bolt to have finished with yet another gold. But in a, and, and Farah as well, to do another double. I mean, Farah had the luxury of walking away with one gold and, and took a silver in, in a fantastic 5,000-meter race that Idris thoroughly deserved to win, by the way. He really took it to Farah. But, yeah, I agree with you. In the fullness of time, it might actually make Bolt and Farah's stories even more appealing and even more human that Father Time is the master of us all. You know... Bolt did things that we never thought possible. A man running 100 metres in, in, in 958, a, a 200 in 1919, you know, that far inside Michael Johnson's world record. We never thought we'd live long enough to see someone run those times. So he was seeming, he was seeming to do the impossible, and yet Father Time waits for no man, no matter how mercurial his gifts. And the same for Farah. You know, it, it shows you in a funny kind of way, it actually reinforces, this might sound strange to say, although they both lost in their respective races, Mo over the five and, um, you know, Bolt in the hundred, those defeats remind us how brilliant they were when they were at their very peak. And it also clarifies that in both cases, they're right to be stepping away now whilst they're still at the top and whilst they're still remembered for the glorious moments, not the disappointments here in the Olympic Stadium in London. You sound like you're getting into commentary mode now, and I love it. I love listening to, to this over and over. But uh, let's talk about Casta Semenya. I mean, aside from her 800 crown, uh, Semenya also bronze in the 1-5 event. Now, she says it's her favourite, and there's a, there's a feeling that she's actually going to be focusing on the longer distance rather than focusing on, on doing something like breaking Kratlochvilova's world record, for example. What do you think about that and, and, and Casta Semenya's future? Future. Yeah, it's interesting because Semenya, in the lead-up to this year, didn't quite, I mean, don't get me wrong, she's run some really quick times, yeah. but she hasn't really put much uh, emphasis on the 15, I don't think. I mean, no. for instance, I think her season's best going into the Olympics was something like 4.15 or 4.16. I mean, she annihilated it in the heats uh, and, uh, you know, and ran very well to get the bronze, denying uh, Great Britain's Laura Muir. Don't worry, I, I won't hold it against you the next time <laughs> I see you, even though we were devastated for the British girl just missing out on the podium. Um, I would say that her better distance is the eight. Um, however, you know, in her first global you know, effort at 1,500 metres, she's got the bronze. So 
she clearly has ability at that distance, but, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how she goes. I mean, I know at your national champs, she's had a few scenarios in recent years, not this year, but a couple of times she's done the treble. She's done yeah. the 4, 8, and 15 and won them all in the space of a couple of hours, um, which is ludicrous. So she's got great range, and she's almost unbeatable at 800 metres. I mean, she ran the last two of that eight in something like 27.8. So she's still accelerating in the last 200 as the others are going backwards, you know, whilst the lactic acid rips through their legs, which happens to everybody, or seemingly everybody, if you've ever run at 800 metres, it's agony, the, the, the last lap and the last two in particular. So I, I still think her best distance is the eight, but she obviously will take confidence from the fact that she got on a global podium in one of the most loaded 1500 metre races the women's sport has ever seen. So, you know, I guess we're all going to have to watch this space. She's got, some, she's got some talented people to try and beat, but she obviously has the confidence to believe that she can turn a bronze uh, from London maybe into a gold in, um, in Doha in 2019. Rob, I think it would be remiss of me to, to not ask about this, but in terms of the athletics championships overall, I thought the quality of the field, the athletics overall, was absolutely stupendous. Uh, but in terms of some of the individual results, there were plenty of shocks with, uh, with various gold medals uh, going completely in the opposite direction to, to what many expected. But there were a couple of medals that really stood out for me, and I think one was last night to, to, see, uh, to see Ghazal of Syria picking up bronze in, in the men's high jump. What are some of the, the non-South African sort of, uh, highlights for you in terms of real shock surprises and great global stories of these champs? Well, I t I'll tell you one that instantly sticks out. I, I don't know whether you watched this race, but I was sitting next to Steve Ovet, you know, the, the gold medalist uh, in the 800 in, in Moscow and, and got a bronze in the 15. Uh, he was my co-commentator. He and I just sat with our mouths wide open reflecting after the end of the women's 3,000 metre steeplechase yes. because I just mentioned that the women's 15 was one of the most loaded fields ever assembled the three steeplechase for the women was ridiculous you had the Olympic champion defending world champion Commonwealth champion European champion world junior champion all of whom were Kenyan or Ethiopian all Kenyan or Ethiopian born representing other nations. And Emma Coburn and her compatriot Freericks ran the Kenyans and the Ethiopians off the track and took the gold and silver. It was absolutely incredible. The two Americans annihilated their personal bests. Uh, yeah, Emma uh, Coburn had previously set a, a pretty good North American record of about 9.07. She smashed that. Freericks, coming second, took 16 seconds off her lifetime best. And the reason I'm going on about that race and the reason I think it was so important is that we rightly marvel at the brilliance of East African distance runners, the Ethiopians uh, and the Kenyans. But in the Western world, and probably to an extent in South Africa as well, because the Ethiopians and the Kenyans have raised the bar to such an extent, we've seen either a conscious or a subconscious attitude creeping into Western athletes where they look at it and go, well, I'm already racing for the bronze or I'm already racing for fifth or I'm racing to be the first European across the line because they've taken it to a level where I may as well be in a separate race. What Coburn and Freericks proved 
in a race that was so loaded with talent and where they both did so well to take an unprecedented gold and silver for the United States, they showed athletes all around the world that with hard work and belief and dedication, it is still possible to challenge nations like Ethiopia and Kenya who have seemed to have had a stranglehold on those events for such a long time. You know, nothing in sport is impossible. And that victory for Coburn, I think, may well resonate around the world, that there might be a few young girls who watched that and thought, I'm actually going to take that event up. And even though I'm American, or even though I'm German, or even though I'm British, one day I might be in a race with a reigning Kenyan world champion, and I might have a chance to beat her. I, I thought that in particular was a total shock, and may well have you know, ramific positive ramifications going forward for, for distance runners and the next generation of distance runners from all around the world. Well, Robert Walker, time Robert against Walker, us, unfortunately, against but uh, thank you very much for your insights and opinions. And again, I congratulate you on what was a superb uh, stint of commentary over the last 10 days. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Yeah, my pleasure, mate. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, that's all we've got time for tonight. Certainly hope you enjoyed listening to uh, Rob Walker all the way from London. Stay around for Naledi Muleo. She's up after the news. But from uh, Siobhan Chetty, Midway and De Locker, have a lovely evening. Cheers. It's 7 o'clock.